here we go, episode 32 of the Hibs Ramble. We're back again. It's me hosting Craig and I've got Mark, Liam and Sean with me. How are we doing, boys? No yeah, bad, Good. We've got a special podcast for you tonight because we're joined by the uh, Hibernian Chief Executive, Ben Kensel, and First Team Manager, Lee Johnson. Firstly, um, guys, we just want to ask, can you just give us a wee update on how, how Ron's doing? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking uh, and good to see you guys. Um, look, Ron's Ron's with his family, which is where he needs to be, um, and he's got the uh, the best medical treatment that he can that he can get. Um, he was really really humbled by the response that he received when when the open letter went out to supporters, and he knows that everyone is wishing him the very very best. So um, so no, look, he's in the best hands that he can possibly be. He knows that um, he can always pick up the phone to us. He does most days. Um, and he's doing as well as he can. Excellent, Mel. Can you pass on the wishes from the from the four of us, and that we hope to see him back at Easter Road soon? Massively appreciate you starting with that. So thank you. Grant, thank you. I'm just going to jump in from there. Um, first of all, thank you very much both for coming on. Really appreciate the time, Ben. I know every time I see you around the Albion Bar or in the Pioneers, I'm always pestering you to to come on the Ramble. So I appreciate you coming on, um, Lee. Being in the job. Just over eight months now. Could you just summarise for me your your time at Hibs so far? Yeah, I've loved it. I have to say, um, it's been a battle. There's no doubt in that. You know, uh, brilliant football club, like great people around the place. Like you know, stadium fan base, history, location. Love it. Like really enjoy it. And um, you know, I'm up for it. If you know what I mean, for where we need to go frustrated as everybody else in terms of I wanted to to do more earlier but I genuinely believe that um, we've rectified um, some work or some work that we wanted to do better in terms of the last window the summer window in the January window and um, I think that the club is, is on a really stable sound sort of footing and I think we can really develop from here and I you know, I've been around a lot of football clubs now as a player and as a manager. And in the last sort of two or three weeks, I've really started to smell the type of environment that you need to go and be successful. So uh, as frustrated as I am with the bad run of form we had, um, I'm also very proud of the resilience shown by the players and the staff to hit what is now a half decent run of form over the last sort of five slash ten games. And we need to continue that. Um, we get another opportunity in the summer uh, to redefine our work again, uh, hopefully with the added uh, element of a, a new sort of football, head of football, sporting director, whatever we want to call it. Um, and I think that will be, like I say, a, a really quality addition uh, if we can get that one right. Uh, Lee, hi, Sean here. Thanks uh, so much for taking up the time. Uh, yourself, Ben, as well. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Lee, I just want to quickly touch on something that you mentioned a couple of times throughout the season. Um, you mentioned about mistakes being made in a couple of your post-match interviews and that you didn't really talk about player-specific. It was more about you, your coaching staff and things like that. You went on to say that lessons needed to be learned um, and you said that you would make sure that you got it right going forward. So with that being said, I, I want to kind of get your take on what you've learned from those mistakes so far in your role um, as the manager and yeah. maybe what you've learned about yourself since joining the club as well. Yeah, well, listen, you're always learning. I think football, you know, you're judged every three days uh, or every week up here. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's a highly emotive sport. Like, I'm not sure in any, any other walk of life or or sport is as passionate as football is because it's it's so inbred in terms of, like, it's deep with that sort of love of a particular club um, and fans and, and supporters, like board members, like staff members, uh, are so bought into, like, the success of the club. So nobody will feel a loss or a, a painful defeat or a bad run of form more than me, I can promise you, <laughs> because we, we live it every day, you know, we, we put everything into this. Um, and I suppose, what, what am I talking about? I can't remember the specific interview um, that you're talking about, because obviously I'm doing like seven a week. I think. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. that's the issue, actually, because you end up talking too much uh, and it can become a little bit sort of frustrating for, for me and everybody else if it sounds like it's the same message. But I try and vary um, the message, but to be consistent for what we're after. And I suppose what I'm talking about really is the summer window and, and was that good enough? There was context to the summer window in terms of we had seven players injured. So we, we not only tried to add depth, but we tried to bring in players maybe a little bit too quickly because we were going quickly into a competitive competition. Um, I feel like we've been really unlucky with the injuries we've had. You know, if I was to pencil down what I expected my forward line, if you like, to look like, over the first three or four months of the season. We just didn't have it. And then when we did start to get it, uh, a key part of our forward line in Martin Boyle uh, ended up being out for the season, uh, which is obviously really disappointing. So I actually really strongly believe in the squad that we've got fully fit and its ability to compete, playing in the style that I want. And the hurdles and the challenges we've had this season have been unbelievable. I mean, all clubs have them. Um, but we seem to have had them uh, more than anybody, coupled with the compound nature of making three or four uh, maybe rushed or bad decisions in that summer window. So like the infrastructure that we've got behind the scenes, we, we've had big conversations about that. Again, um, strong conversations both ways, because inevitably we want what's right for the club. You know, like I, I as a football manager just want to add value. And, and my value at the moment is obviously the knowledge I've got, having come through an academy, played X amount of uh, matches as a professional, gone through my coaching badges, worked at various clubs. And obviously you have an opinion uh, based on what you think is best for this football club. Ben's obviously worked at um, clubs and ran businesses as well in various forms. Uh, and you put that knowledge together, you deliver to the board, and then obviously, inevitably, Ron and the board decide which way uh, we're going to move with that. So, like, I'm very strong on my opinions on how we move the football club forward. Um, I think there was some real good work being done as well over the last six, seven months. I really do. Um, and I'm in a place where I believe that moving forward now, uh, we can be successful both in terms of between now and the end of the season but also uh, and the next opportunity, if you like, to redefine uh, the model and the playing style comes in that uh, summer window. Please, see, just because you've mentioned it a couple of times regarding the summer window, see with the, I know you, you've done it recently with the introduction of um, you know Oscar McIntyre, Joshua Connor, Ethan Laidlaw, et cetera, getting in the first team squad and then some of them getting minutes as well. As your plans for the summer 
changing slightly because of the impact that they'd either have in you know in the the youth run that they've done in the Euro uh, UEFA Youth League or the reserve games. Um, I heard uh, Steve Keane talking about the fact that the 19s were basically playing against a fringe Livingston first team the other week. Is their impact in training and what you're seeing from them changing what you feel you might need to do in the summer? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the way it should be. Um, you know, we want to give these boys opportunity. I think they've had outstanding exposure to the first team this year, whether it be regular uh, in in coming up and training with the with the first team, playing against the first team in the in-house games that we have, we had one uh, on Friday, which was a really good example. And and they get to really have purposeful practice in that sense. You know, they get to experience the pace, the speed of thought. And what you really want to do is bring these talented young players into a good sort of vibrant team that, with a, a strong emotional stability uh, and a strong identity. And although we've got the identity, like what we're looking to do, and I've harped on about this in the press conference recently, increase the quality, like reduce the quantity, and then open up that pathway for the young players to come through. And the reason I've been so happy with the last sort of three results, if you like, all right, Ross County, I thought we should have won that one, uh, given a VAR decision, was because that was really the first sign of that plan sort of really coming to the fore. And actually being successful, really, uh, in in a time where we needed to show resilience as well. Now, moving the 12, sort of 13, maybe even 14 players, as it might be, out uh, in this window has led, I think, to a really good working environment. You know, that emotional stability is there. We don't have the splinter cell of disappointed players uh, that end, end up congregating and create a little bit of a, a malaise around the training ground. And I think that's really important for the environment. You know, if you look at the top clubs, the top teams, the successful teams, they've got a core of very good players, you know, stretching uh, their budget to the maximum. Um, they've got a real identity and they've got the opportunity for young players that are really, really grateful to being around it to go and uh, infiltrate the first team and, and the starting eleven. And then once they do that, you know you've got a proper player, if you like, and then inevitably there'll be interest on the back of that in those players. And with the likes of Doig as an example, uh, ends up moving in a, in a big summer move. Nice one, lads. Um, it's Liam here. Thanks again for, for spending your time with us this evening. Um, I just wanted to hear from the both of you. I wanted to ask um, if you could go back to any point um in your Hibs careers, the both of you, is, is there anything that you would change? What would you change to get a different outcome for something that happened that you that you didn't like or that you thought could have been better? I'll go first. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I think um I think hindsight's a great thing. I think we would have probably I could have probably pushed for a uh, a director of football to have uh, come in a little bit earlier. Um then, uh, then, then we had. Uh, if you remember, I came in in the in late July, in the August. So I don't think that was a window that I could have uh, done anything about. But then the the the, the January window with uh, Rocky, David Marshall, uh, Ewan Henderson, even though Marsh was a pre-contract, um, you know, I, I felt I felt it was okay for January, and then it was only after the the summer window uh, when we actually felt that we we probably needed some. Some more focus on on perhaps football now recruitment now 
Um, and I think if we would have done that sooner, uh, perhaps after that January window, that would have probably benefited us uh, with a few of the decisions that we that we would have made. Uh, I think that's probably about it. Um, I also think there are some moments in time that you look at, uh, whether it be VAR decisions this year. Um, we were massively unlucky against Dundee United. Uh, the week before VAR was introduced, we were just robbed of a perfectly legitimate goal. Yeah. Um, you know, which would have extended the, the the run that we were on under Lee. I thought that was a massive, massive moment for us, really, to lose that game 1-0 in such an un, unjust situation. And then the other thing is that I have to look at injuries. And unfortunately, uh, this club has not, has not been fortunate with injuries to key, key players. And I mean, huge players for the football club, whether it be Nesbitt with Sean, uh, whether, we, whether it be Martin Boyle with, uh, with Lee, these you need your best players on the pitch, and they are moments that I couldn't affect or change. But if you could do something differently, you wouldn't play them at that point in time. So Starfelt wouldn't go through the back of Nizzy or whatever it might be, and 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 you know Martin wouldn't get the the, the innocuous kind of clash that he got, and I can't remember who it was against. But uh, um, th them sort of moments are, are moments in time that you kind of look at and go, that was that was quite they were quite majorly important things, but. Director of football, stroke sporting director would have probably been one of the things that I would have done a little bit earlier. Um, but we are where we are now and we'll get the right person in place. How is the search going for the director of football, Ben? It's going fine. Um, it's um, ultimately we put, put it on, didn't put it on pause. We went out knowing that we had it sanctioned from the board, that we were bringing in, in a director of football. And then what we wanted to do was really focus all of our efforts on making sure that we um, got the players out that we needed to get out. Um, perhaps made any kind of savings that we could make in order to to give us the best possible opportunity of uh, resetting come the summer, uh, working hand in hand with Lee the whole time. That January transfer window, we had lots of bids for lots of players that we didn't accept. So therefore, I think sometimes there needs to be some highlighted on the fact that we didn't cash in on certain players. Um, and uh, and it was always a case of we would allow for any applicants that were that were showing an interest to come to us. Uh, we've got a long list at the moment. Lee and I and the board uh, are aware of that long list. We've got a candidate brief, a for all intents and purposes, a job description. So there's real clarity, and that 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 kind of movement from a long list to a short list is happening in the month of February. So uh, we will have someone in post by um, by these easily the end of the season. Ben, are you still accepting CVs? Because my friend Sean here is actually interested in the job himself. <laughs> I don't think I've seen his CV somehow. It's too good to apply, Ben. You know, I thought I would maybe just take this opportunity here and make the most of it, you know, so we can catch up afterwards. Right, but there you go. There you go. Well, well, look, we haven't turned away anyone yet. So, therefore, <laughs> oh, you're looking to turn me away straight away. Or just... Never, never. I just want to know if you intend to keep the manager. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> nice. Sign him up. And, and Lee, if there's anything that you would do differently looking back on it in hindsight at your time at Hibs, just to um, get a different outcome. Yeah, I think look, it's difficult because genuinely there, there's so much context to each decision that, that you make. Um, you know, when I look back at the summer window, like there's a couple of things I'd have done. The first thing I'd have done is I walked through the door, I would have instilled a code of conduct, believe it or not, because I feel like the discipline at the club uh, needed to be improved. 
Um, and I probably expected a club this size to have that, maybe. Um, but it led to, in my opinion, a lot of ill disciplines, if you like, around the football club. And I believe what you choose to ignore, you encourage. So what we, what I've tried to do is, is professionalise it more so, so that when I'm speaking to somebody, there's a process in place because they've maybe had a misdemeanour or something like that. But there's a panel that takes over in a proper disciplinary procedure rather than me finding players and therefore upsetting people along the way. But what I would say is the last sort of six weeks have been, uh, we've got that all in place, you know, everything structurally behind the scenes is in really good shape. And we had to go through the bad spell, actually, uh, to bring that to the forefront and, and to actually be aggressive to be able to implement that. And then I just look at the summer window and, and you know, we had seven players injured. Again, like we, we took some risks, if you like, that, that probably didn't work as we'd have hoped. I think we'd question whether we're set up enough to, or was we at that point, I should say, to be able to integrate foreign players. Um, and like a good example of, of a player needing time, I think, is Ellie Ewan. I think his performances over the last sort of four or five weeks have been outstanding. Um, and this is difficult, you know, you're adjusting to a different culture, different style of football, different tempo, um, different environments. And I think maybe one or two too many, if you like, that we couldn't quite integrate like we maybe thought we could. So um, a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges. Um, but I actually do believe this squad fully fit for the budget. Um, is pretty good, if I'm honest with you. Unfortunately, we just haven't been able to uh, get it all together. Individual games, of course, there's the odd sort of shape decision that you, in hindsight you could have changed or maybe substitution or two that you would have done earlier and things like that. But again, it's all contextual to the moment and to the information that you've got, which often the fans don't have, if you know what I mean. And, and you know, these are human beings that we're dealing with and they have issues at home and not sleeping and, and new babies born and all those crazy things that, that go down. Um, and obviously I've got all that context uh, when we make those decisions. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, the challenge is, is vast here, but it's also like really mm -hmm. exciting. You know, I, I love getting up. I love going into the training ground every day. I really enjoy working with my staff, uh, who are great people and great practitioners as well. Um, but we've had a lot of hurdles to overcome. And like I say, I understand that smell of success, if you know what I mean. And I can feel that coming. Um, I can feel it around the training ground. And every opportunity we get to redefine that and improve it, I think we'll take now moving forward. Scottish Cup next year then? Scottish Cup winner? <laughs> well, all of it. Listen, we want to be progressive, you know, like we don't. Like, of course, I was devastated to be knocked out of um, of the cup, particularly against um, local rivals. But uh, whatever we say, well, we've got to catch them. Do you know what I mean? And we've got to catch them quickly. And we can. I, I'm, I still maintain that, you know, the top 15 players in each squad here, there's not there's not a lot of difference between us and Hearts. Um, and hopefully we get to prove that, obviously, over the next uh, eight game plus um, in the league. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Absolutely. And you touched on the um the sort of poor run of form that we went on. And probably the low point of that was those defeats to, to Hearts, obviously the back to back three 0 games. 
I'm interested to hear from you both just how you dealt with that pressure on an individual level. You know, a club like Hibs, defeats like that to your biggest rivals don't go down well um, with anyone. How did you deal with that on a personal level? Because I'm not massive on social media, but when I did go on to social media, there was a lot of personal name dropping, you know, like, you know, about, about his both about the club. But how did you deal with that pressure on an individual level? And how did you keep the lads motivated in the dressing room as well? I'll let um, uh, Lee obviously talks about the lads and the, and the players and stuff. Um, I'll talk about the staff actually first of all. Um, my my job first and foremost is not to worry about myself or or Lee, because we will have the tightest relationship out of out of anyone else. So we will we we talk to each other a lot, and I mean at, at any hour of the day. So uh, we always talk after after uh, a match because I think it's the right time to do it. Some people don't because there's a lot of emotion involved. I always do it because that emotion is allowed to come out. Um, and I think you can you can be honest at that point. Um, others, other people look at it differently, but we seem to have that understanding that, we, that we're happy to do that with each other. For me, it was about ensuring that we remain positive um, in, in the absolute face of criticism, uh, that we show resilience, togetherness, trust, um, and we maintain that kind of hard work to turn the corner. Um, that's really hard when you've got a, a staff base of, we'll say, kind of, you know, around around 120, 120, 130 um, staff-wise. And they need to believe, they need to believe that you're going to turn the corner. Um, and then equally at the same time, um, you know, devastated that the that the fans have to go through through the type of roller coaster that they're having to go through. But uh, resilient and knowledgeable in the fact that, do you know what? If we're having the right type of conversations, if we're challenging ourselves in the right way, we've got to believe in trusting the process. Um, and there's going to be there's going to be moments of of doubt. Um, but the one thing I don't believe in is kind of ignoring that noise because I think you, you have to listen to it and you have to let it slap you right in the face. And it's not nice. It's embarrassing. It's um, it's it's very. I get well. We have to go through them that roller coaster of emotions ourselves. Um, it's not easy, but you've just got to look at it right in the eye and learn from it and build up that level of resilience to then be constructive enough to start the next day in a positive way. And, and I would say communication is probably the key thing with that. I've tried to become as open as I can with the fan base, and you'll know that better than anyone because we have had a lot of conversations. Um, uh, I, I'll never shy away from uh, from fans or anything like that. If they want to talk to me, despite what people may say around uh, the club not coming out and talking enough, I'll never shy away from that. Um, and if anyone wants to write in or speak to me, then the door's open. Uh, I'll respond to them. I've had supporters email me, phone me, call me whatever they want. Ultimately, I've phoned them back uh, and I've had conversations with them and I've explained some context around it. I've not I've not tried to justify the, the, the sort of the result. Um, and I've never, I've never sort of uh, acted without integrity when it comes to Lee and being honest with Jack, Lee, or Sean. So um, as long as you can kind of look at yourself like that, I think you'll you'll do all right in this industry. It's the ones that can't look at themselves in that way that I think come a cropper in the end. But in terms of motivating players and well, motivate yourself first of all. Yeah. Um, well, look, I said no one uh, is affected more than me uh, after a game. And I think you'd have seen from my original uh, heart sort of rant, if you like, that things needed to improve. Um, and inevitably that was directed uh, at the 
at the players in terms of believing in the players, because I do, but believing that we're only performing to, I think the word I use is mediocre levels. Um, and that really was a, a bit of a kick up the backside to say, look, you're actually good players here, but when it comes, you're training well, you're fit, you know what I mean? You, you understand your job role, but I need more pitch personality. And to be honest, I'm actually really pleased with the way the guys have responded to that. Um, I remember hearing about Alex Ferguson uh, after the 6-1 defeat from Manchester City against Manchester United, it being his best week in management. And I've always had that in my head on a human level that, you know, you've got to, you've got to be humble enough at that point uh, to accept responsibility for a, for a big defeat to a local derby. And you've also got to start the process of healing. And, you know, as a manager, you're at the forefront of that. And that is not just players, by the way, that is staff, because they obviously become absolutely connected to any result and any performance as they should be. And they're disappointed. So whether that's the chef, whether that's the physio, whether that's the doctor, whether that's your star striker or your young lad that's coming off the bench, the human qualities there have to come through and you have to try and lift people as much as possible. And it is difficult at times because, you know, we all feel it and it hurts, but that's where you've got to take the breath, if you like, put your face on, you know, be strong enough to take any criticism that comes your way. And that's why a lot of coaches, really good football coaches, can't be managers because they can't cope with that. And, and the first, second, third sign of difficulties and that, because it rains down on you, uh, very heavy and very fast from all angles. So I suppose I'm grateful that I've got a lot of experience in now in management, you know, winning games, losing games, winning the big derbies, losing the derbies, um, to be able to rebalance the boys like we did going into the Aberdeen game to then go and put in a, a brilliant performance, uh, probably when nobody expected it. Well, you see, just off the back of because we're talking about the two derby results, I was at your uh, press conference when you got announced. Um, I didn't ask any questions at that point. Kind of looking, it was one of those ones you look back, you wish you had. But do you, because like you said, um, I know you've touched on it, Ben, about fans saying like maybe the club doesn't speak out enough or things like that. Lee, do you find there's an added pressure because you used to play for Hearts? I know um, you were only there for a short spell, yeah, but there was there was obviously talk when when you got the job that fans couldn't believe that they'd went to an ex Hearts player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you do you feel like inside you need to? I don't know if you need to prove yourself even more to the support because you were a Hearts player before. But does it does it give you a bit of added pressure to even more to try and get this right? Um, honestly, no. It doesn't because I'm totally committed. Um, like I, I really enjoy the football club. Like I, I was so happy and proud, if you like, to to be unveiled as manager. Um, I didn't have a particularly good time at Hearts, you know, in terms of I like the people, um, in terms of the players and, and the management team. But uh, we all know uh, the carnage that Mr. Romanov brought with that football club. So I didn't feel necessarily attached. Uh, to the club like had it been Bristol Rovers as an example and Bristol City it would have been a completely different uh, feeling a different type of mentality but I just believe this is a, a really good football club and you know like I'm just doing a really honest job here like I, I, I turn up every day 
love my work. I love the way we work. You know, I'm proud to be a custodian, if you like, of the football club. And if not a little frustrated that I wanted to do it a bit quicker uh, than it than it showed so far. I've also got total belief uh, in myself, my staff and the playing squad and the opportunities, i.e. the windows, to be able to redefine what we're doing and bring that success to Hibs. And, like, uh, you know, nobody, like I said, takes a, a, a defeat or a, a loss or a runner loss is worse than me. But the brilliance, if you like, of those situations is the truth-telling comes very quickly and that can drive the club forward a lot quicker um, than maybe a win, a loss, a draw. Um, and I think that's led to what could be a very good run and has been has been a decent run over the last sort of five, six, seven games. Well, don't worry, Lee, because uh, us at the Ramble, we all forgive you for uh, for playing for Hearts, so it's all right. Thank you. <laughs> did, <laughs> did you have one of those boxing matches with Romanov, like Roman Bednar did? <laughs> no, but there have only been one winner there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we touched on it earlier on. About the about the transfer window going forward, and I know you said that your your plans had kind of changed given the amount of uh, young players that are coming through at the moment. But obviously, in the summer there was some deals that we didn't get particularly right. There was players brought in last January. I know that's not that wasn't under your tenure. Um, that are now away again. I was just wondering what what the plan was, like a brief plan for the playing personnel going forward, given that we've seen the deals recently some of them haven't really worked out the way that we wanted them to? Um, yeah, listen, it's make the right decisions. You know, I think the first thing is you, you did have three managers plus an interim period, if you like, of, of players recruited. Simple as that. And every style is different. You know, I want round pegs in round holes for a Lee Johnson-Hibbs team. And that's not me being egotastic. That's just that I'm the one selecting the starting eleven and the substitutes that get on. So we want a Hibs identity, which is absolutely important. Um, but obviously within that, the intricate, the intricacies of the style of play, uh, I want certain players to fit certain roles. And, and like I say, I do believe we've got that. Unfortunately, we just haven't been able to um, put it out there enough. So uh, every opportunity is an opportunity to redefine, narrow the thinking, uh, and improve those elements. So we're always developing players, no matter whether they're like wanted, not wanted. You know, that's a duty of care to be able to do that. Often players surprise you. You know, they grow up, they have a change in circumstances, their body fat gets reduced, they become uh, over a particular injury. You know, something clicks in their mind, they get exposed, they have one good game and the confidence comes. You know, there's so many factors uh, evolving in any sort of football team, football club. Um, and you've got to stick with it. So, like moving forward, it's really just to stick to the plan. Like, make sure we have, we have to like supersede the budget. That's the first thing. You know, look at Livingston for an example. Uh, I would suspect a lower budget uh, outperforming, if you like, that budget to the terms of more. So, what we've got to do is make sure we maximise our playing budget and get like super value out of that and have our money on the pitch. You know, we need that because your top players fit, your top players playing. We need to recruit top players for the level. Um, we are going to have to take a couple of punts in there. 
Uh, there's no doubt on that. Educated punts, but the systems and the processes uh, that we've now got in place should lead to those decisions being um, a lot more sort of considered rather than uh, not not random because none of them have been random, but like risky, if you know what I mean. And we don't need the risks anymore because we've got the development of the young players coming through uh, and everybody obviously wants to see that as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. And Ben, I would imagine that bringing in the director of football is going to help that in the summer window. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll, it'll, add, it'll add more football now to um, to what we need, but it's, it's a support. It's not to to start dictating who we're going to sign or anything like that. That's not what these positions do. They are another person that's part of a a collective committee to make the club better. But ultimately, the, the final say will always go down to the manager around whether we sign the player that we eventually get to. I think what the director of football will do is, is provide better processes in place to ensure we hopefully make, make fewer mistakes or, or, or get more things right uh, across the whole of the piece. Nice one. Uh, if I can just put my two pence in, I'm just going to say get Josh Campbell on a contract till 2040. <laughs> <laughs> right, Craig, I'll, I'll fire it back over to you and you can uh, you can wrap us up. Uh, I'll just throw my two pence in as well. Uh, whatever the fee is for Ellie Ewan, pay it. Set up a GoFundMe, we'll all chip in, just do it. Whatever Good the shout. fee is. Good shout. <laughs> um, Aye, so in terms, like I said before we started, uh, just for personality-wise, um, so when we do the ramble, we always get asked, so we always put out um, listener questions, and the first question that comes in is always the same. So if you've not already had it, what are you both having for your dinner? Wow, I mean, am I going to get any dinner? Um, I I would I would say probably whatever's left over, unfortunately, in my house. So. I'll probably end up with some cereal now, me. <laughs> what kind of cereal? That's the most important question then. Oh, it's definitely shreddies. Come on. Oh, <laughs> come on. That's a poor choice. It's the only thing I've got in the house. <laughs> no. What about you, Lee? What's, what's on the menu for you tonight? Do you know what? I'm an absolute disgrace. Uh, I have not cooked once in my apartment. Um, I've got not once since the time I've been here. I've always had like uh, either a meal out or sometimes just grapes. You know, if I'm trying to skip a meal, I'll have grapes uh, and I'm often trying to skip a meal. Um, but we have brilliant food at the training ground. And that's the problem because we have like a, a hearty breakfast, uh, a really nice lunch. We've got some really good chefs down there uh, and they deserve a lot of credit. So, so I'm the same as Ben, really. At night, I'll, I'll be like if I'm trying to be good and healthy, I'll go extremely light salad or something like that. But even that will be a Marks and Spencer's little takeaway salad or some grapes. Or if I'm feeling bad, then yeah, I'll just go for it. I'll just get Chinese or something. I wouldn't be too embarrassed of that, Lee. Honestly, you should see some of the stuff that Mark has. has some of his selections at night are just as bad as that. So. <laughs> well, listen, they always slag me for having a vegan sausage roll from Aldi, but don't knock it until you <laughs> I'm telling you. It's Fair enough. Super. <laughs> Well, uh, Ben, what team did you support growing up? Uh, Gillingham. Yeah, Gillingham Football Club down in Kent. So uh, it's they're, they're they're not very good. Well, I think they're good, but uh, they're they're bottom of they're, they're bottom of the league at the moment. So uh, or second from bottom in in League Two. So uh, it was just where I was where I was born. My dad took me to the football and was like, "Yeah, I think this is what you do." 
type thing. And uh, I was like, yeah, great, put me in there. And then I, I went in the in the home end with the terraces and things like that and just started kind of getting to know the songs, ripping it up in there. And it was it was just good fun. And you build a little community there. And um, and then I started going on my own and uh, just loved it all the way up to uh, all the way up to university. Can we see you in Block 7 anytime soon? <laughs> do, do, do you know what? Right, I, I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind doing. I wouldn't mind doing that walk from, uh, is it the, the, the near Murrayfield? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Castle, yeah. The Hearts one time. I'd like to do that. That's what I've said that I'd quite happily do. So, you can come with us. Come with us, Ben. We'll, we'll I'll do it. I'll do it. I said I would. So in, in recent years, the walk's been the only highlight. So hopefully, we get more than more than that as a highlight going forward. Sean, with you as director of football, we'll be all right. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm at the wheel. Don't you worry. Look, look, I'll I'll come with you boys to the uh, yeah to, on that on that walk to the stadium. I'd love to do that. So uh, yeah, a couple of cans in. Exactly. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lee? Did you have a team that you followed or were you influenced by your dad obviously being involved in football? Yeah, well, I had two teams, really, and I lost them both for different reasons. Um, I started off a uh, Cambridge United fan, um, like, and, I, and they were my small team, if you like, because my dad was assistant manager and manager. And then Arsenal was my, my big team. And, what uh, a choice that is, by the dad... way. What a choice. <laughs> My dad got sacked from Cambridge, so I lost that one. And then I got released from Arsenal, so I became bitter on that one and stopped supporting them. So, uh, yeah, it's a really tricky place to be. But it's definitely something that I've missed. You know, I've been travelled around with my dad and dad was Latvian manager and he was manager of Kettering and stuff like that. And then myself playing for Arsenal, Watford and moving around. I haven't had that probably experience that you guys have got where, okay, like this is my club and you know everything matters within that club so uh yeah that's something i've missed so uh well yeah i'll get the i'll get the trains booked we can go down to the eminence for the title party at the end of the season me and you <laughs> all right mate no worries <laughs> I have to polish my statue though or whatever. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about your favorite holiday destinations oh where's your in the season in the season trip where do you go Oh, what have we just been successful? If we if we've been successful, I'm going with the boys to Vegas. So no like, doubt yeah, that. I'm there as well. Um, so there's a boys trip, and then there's a family trip. If you know what I mean. So the boys trip, 100 percent, has to be Vegas. Um, and then I would say Dubai. Dubai, yeah. Um, so yeah, Dubai at the, at the end of a long season where you're absolutely knackered and you just need a bit of sun on your back. Good food, good heat bit of sort of culture and sort of uh, everything you need, especially when you've got kids or a kid like I've got. There's a lot of fun to be had at the water parks and stuff like that. So, And also, you probably sign more players around the pool um, because it's like a, it's like the PFA do. So we so, so, so we, we happen to be on holiday at a similar, similar time in Dubai, different places, right? And uh, so much time with Lee on the phone I might as well have gone round the, yeah. literally gone round the islands, sat with him for sort of a, a decent couple of nights and got it all done. So, uh, so yeah, but it is, it is what it is. Yeah. What about your drink of choice? Alcoholic, like primarily. And Lee, can you also confirm if you can get it at Elios? Oh God! <laughs> well, first of all, that was a stick <laughs> That was a stitch up of all stitch ups. <laughs> Is this the one? I, yeah, I've got a I've got him zooming me right at nine thirty at night. Going, what are you doing? 
I'm like, I think he must, that must be a pocket zip, not a, a FaceTime, I mean. And I flick it on, I'm in my bed, half nine at night. I'm getting emails that you're out on the lash uh, <laughs> down George Street the night before the Hearts game. I was like, yeah, well, to be fair, I was having dinner with my nan. Um, but yeah, listen, that for me, that was naughty. That was what, what went on there, because I felt it was a bit of a defamation of character. The fact that it, it got into the national media, I understand sort of, uh, I don't know, social media and stuff like that. But I'm probably too nice in the fact that, you know, I've had pictures and stuff like that with fans and then got stitched up by a, a couple of Hearts fans. And fair play to them, to be fair. We said uh, they've created a bit of a storm in a teacup and it's ended up being negative towards me and us. But uh, if I was to drink after a win in the derby, um, it would be a smoky old fashioned. Uh, I'm a bit of a whiskey Connoisseur, I like my whiskies, and uh, that's the way I would settle after a nice uh, win that I'm very happy with. And then a couple of whiskies if we get beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, through the shots through the eyeball. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ben? What's your what's your tip up? Uh, mine's a mine's a cider because I'm from down south. But the um, but what I would say is that the last thing anyone wants to see uh, the night before a derby is Lee Johnson in his bed. Uh, FaceTime <laughs> to prove that he's actually in his bed. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Lee, let's flip off the FaceTime here. Come on, I, I, I trust you, it's okay. Well, it's nice <laughs> to know that that stuff also happens at the higher echelons of football management and not just us, whatever <laughs> we level, we have our managers too. I um, was in my Hibs onesie as well. Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, just before we wrap up, what's your guilty pleasure on the playlist? So, one thing you can just stick on in the car and you'll Sink your heart's content. Oh, mine's mine's simple. It's also my karaoke choice of song. It's Lionel Richie. Um, bit of Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling or something like that. Uh, I think I'm half decent at it. Uh, I don't think I've I've ever heard anyone tell me that I have or 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 I am half decent at it. But no, that's that's my thing. Anything that's slightly older, to be quite honest. I know Lionel's brother. My balls are. Um, anyway. I would say, do you know what? I like a bit of country music. So I like a bit of the old Kenny Rogers, the gambler. Like I could I could sing that to my heart's content. Um, but my karaoke song without question of doubt is Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. Oh, truly. What a good choice. Oh, have, you, have you had to do that for initiations? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've done is, it. Is no, that every single time? Have you seen No, time? not no, not all. That's more of a karaoke, you know, where you've got to get the crowd going, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Initiations more like something like uh, like Lulu, you know, you make me want to shout because you can Okay, so so was that, local range. Is that your one of choice? Yeah, like, so we, 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 okay. That's good. That's good. And finally the last question that we'll ask is so something that we've done on the podcast since we started is we do the pioneership review. So Every week when we go to away games, uh, we'll rate the pies and we'll give them a score out of 20 based on uh, crust, temperature, flavour and filling. So what we want to know is what is the best pie you've ever had? Well, so I, I've well, it, has had... to be, it has to be a pie at the football as well. Yeah, I've had some absolute corkers up here, if I'm honest. The pies up here are, are seriously good. Um, never had the one I had in the famous five stand a few weeks ago. I'll tell you that. <laughs> in, in all truth, no, I mean in Scotland in general. But the um, I tell you what, I tell you what, I didn't like this. I, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people will be like, what? But 
apparently in is it Kilmarnock the pies are meant to be yeah, yeah it's meant to be decent right yeah, I didn't I didn't like him I didn't rate it yeah, at all I didn't rate it at all um, so I had a decent like steak and ale sort of uh, pie um, that's what I like that's my pie of choice but up here um, oh no, no actually at football I'll probably go for a chicken porty if I was going to go for uh, one um, I, but realistically there's some decent decent pies I've had up here Ross County is phenomenal up in Dingwall. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. If you next time you're in Dingwall, get a Ross County pie. <laughs> yeah, I think I had two actually. When I was up there. <laughs> uh, so you, have you sampled the the crusty delights of the the cinch this I season? No, I mean obviously I've had a killy pie from when I played there, uh, and I didn't mind it to be fair. I'd say the worst one was Forest <laughs> Green, where it's everything's vegan. Forest Green so pie. Not, yeah, you, the Forest Green pie is no meat in it. Uh, like emphasizing that vegan sausage roll, but um, yeah, so like I'm a, I was a powered athlete, so I'd be down the line on sushi and bits and bobs like that. What's what what's what's coming out top of your list? Where is it? Is it Ross I, County? So I think we've got Ross County at the top at the moment, and Kilmarnock is a close second, I think. Yeah, Leon's only got Celtic Park to do, he's filled out all the rest, so yeah, no, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely fed for pies, I'll tell you that. The submitting last weekend was absolutely disgusting. Thankfully, it was saved by Ellie toe bashing it in <laughs> the bottom corner. Good. <laughs> well, listen, we'll wrap up there. Um, ben Lee, thanks once again for, for giving up your time to talk to us. It is really appreciated. Um, and we hopefully look forward to having you on again and wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye